Hello and welcome to the Inspire Group podcast. I'm Aidan Stote and I'm delighted to be joined today by Andrew Curtis. Andrew is captivated by finding the answer to one question. How do you really help someone? This search began in his teens as he tried to find ways to help friends and family members with mental health challenges and has since become part of his journey as an entrepreneur, leadership coach and training facilitator. Andrew's skills as a communicator are combined with his understanding and compassion for the human condition, fostering safe and inspiring environments where life-changing insights are possible. Welcome, Andrew, and thanks for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Aidan. Always a pleasure. So I think it would be fair to say we've been working together for best part of sort of two to three years, yeah. if my yeah. recollection serves. Um and I love this whole concept of, of your approach around how do you best help people? And yeah. I'm thinking that in 2020 in particular, where people have probably needed, needed a little bit of extra help, <laughs> more, more than any other time, maybe, um, it'd be great to hear from you about what are the ways that you've been helping people in, in this most unique of years that we've experienced. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to share this. I think um, part of what motivates me is that as you mentioned in the intro, that my journey began with trying to find these answers for myself and then realizing, actually, this is something that, that I should share. And so it was a delight to start working with Inspire Group just to have that platform to, to be able to do that. So I guess to begin with, I'd, I'd start by saying that one of the things I had to realize was that I believe we all are really well-intentioned when it comes to helping people, mm. that when we see somebody who is struggling, it's it's rare to find the person who just says, well, just stewing it, you know, I don't care. Um, but what I did find um, very early on was that although our intentions are often good, the, the strategies that we employ are often not particularly helpful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll give you a very easy example of that. Um, when you see somebody who is stressed or anxious and you ask them what's going on and they go, blah, 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 blah. And you go, oh, hey, don't worry. Right, it, it yeah. falls out of our mouth so instantly. And of course, the person immediately says to you, oh my gosh, you're right, I don't need to worry at all. I'll stop that immediately, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, of course, that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, I started to look at that and think, okay, well, again, what really is helpful? And I'd start just by saying that that very act of, of a person being heard in the first place is mm -hmm. remarkably powerful. And, and as a leader, I had to learn that my intention to be the one with the answer for every question was actually sometimes getting in the way of me helping people because they didn't feel heard and I was just kind of jumping in. So that would be the place that I'd start from. Fantastic. I love that. And, and it's probably fair to say that 2020 has been a year that's um, probably created a lot of uncertainty, ambiguity mm. and, and personal challenge for people. Mm. And encouraging people to talk about the fact that actually it's okay to not be okay you know mm. if we think about that whole sort of principle around around mental health but also that it's okay not to have all of the answers you know I think yeah. you, you've hit the nail on the head there and, and sometimes as leaders we're inclined to be the ones who you know provide that reassurance um, you know be be all things to all people and that's mm -hmm. not sustainable either if we think about you know what what kind of a burden that is to carry for leaders sure. what are some of the ways that you work with individuals and teams to deliver that message how, how do you how do you craft those types of environments and those types of learnings for for leaders and their teams that it's okay not mm -hmm. to have the answers and it's okay 
um, you know, to support your team in in different ways without being the you know the person who who solves the problem necessarily. Sure, sure. Look, that, that's a fantastic question because it actually it leads to one of the things that I found also was most helpful in this is that what you're really talking about there is the need for a high trust environment. You know, that's an environment where you can not have the answer. Like, what's what's going to happen to me if I, as the as a team member, not even a team leader, what if I, as a team member, say, I don't understand? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, giving a simple example, you know, the number of stand-up meetings we have where maybe you can imagine a scenario where there's, say, 10 people standing around and one person saying, all right, everyone, this is what we're going to be doing, blah, 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 blah. Do we have questions? No. Do we all understand? Yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, pop quiz, do people really understand? Of course not. Of course not. There's a 100% chance that somebody there doesn't get it completely. Mm. And so what I look for then is to say, okay, I'm, I'm after trust here, and I want my people to be able to tell me when they don't understand, when they don't have all the information. And I thought about this a lot, and, and I mean, I'm guilty of doing this too. So I should also say so much of my learning is, comes from just being able to learn well from my own mistakes. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I would do things like say, hey, look, guys, if, you, if you're ever unsure, my door's always open, you know, open door policy, you've got my number, you can always come to me no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Pop quiz, how many people do you think came through my door? Not as many as you'd like. Not as many as I'd like, <laughs> close to zero, in fact. Uh, and yeah. so I looked at that and I thought, okay, what am I doing? I'm asking them to trust me. And that leads to this, this particular insight, which has been transformational for me. And that is simply that, I realized that the only way to get trust is to give trust. Mm. That's the only way it works. Even on a friendship level, you think if you meet somebody for the first time, what do you do? You know, you meet them and you just talk superficially at first. What work do you do? Where do you live? Blah, blah, blah. And then at some point, one of you is going to volunteer something that's a little bit personal about you. Mm. Only, a, only a fraction. And, and what you do is you wait to see how are they going to respond? You know, are they going to make fun of that? Are they going to ignore it? Or maybe they respond with something that's slightly personal about them, right? And you go like, oh, okay. And you go back and forth and back and forth. And there will be people who you build that up to a level where you can completely be your soul and they can do the same, right? So when it comes to creating that trust environment, what I realized, and and this is what I do when I'm facilitating, is that I actually, I look for opportunities where I can share moments where I haven't understood. Mm-hmm. Moments where I have failed, where I've not lived up to my, my my objectives, because I'm basically saying as a leader, hey guys, I want a tr- high trust environment here, and even though I never say this in as many words, I say, you know, here's an area where I had to learn, and people naturally pick up. Oh, okay, this is a place where I can say I don't get it, I don't understand, and then it's it's beautiful. It's amazing what follows from that. I love that. I, th- I think that's a fantastic approach and a, and a great technique. And, you know, it does challenge some of those um, long established beliefs for leaders around, sure. you know, the, the, the sort of not being vulnerable, um, not being able to be authentic, not sharing failures, um, mm. because somehow that might be deemed to be um, inadequate or insufficient for, for a leader to have those, those types of experiences. So I think it's a really powerful approach to actually, you know, remove, remove some of that veneer. Yeah. Um, for leaders and you know talk about failure talk about when you haven't met an objective in order to like you say sort of volunteer something that will engender more of that trust um, um we're currently talking on teams um you know which is our, our virtual platform of choice and yep. you know, i think for many this year has been one where they've had to quickly if they weren't already familiar with 
how to uh, communicate through virtual platforms, um, you know, move more towards that type of an environment. What are some of your tips and techniques for how to engender trust and how to communicate effectively when you can't be in the same physical space? Because I think for a lot of organizations now, they're moving into this really interesting territory where they're trying to balance um, a, a new cultural rhythm, you know, for people who are either working from home, working remotely, much less face time than they would have traditionally had in, in, yeah. in the years before. So what what would you say is, you know, some of the advice that you can offer leaders, individuals in how they can build trust without being in the same physical space and, and how they can communicate effectively? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll give one that's more of a, a broader principle and then another one that's more maybe a specific technique uh, to kind of touch both of those those bases there. So more broadly speaking, I would say that what this season has shown us is the need to be much more deliberate about the time that we spend to have those 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 trust building moments with people. Yeah, because yeah. when we share an office space, you know, things happen throughout the day. You'll see somebody, you'll walk past, you, you know, you might share an elevator, something like that. You'll overhear something and you're able to go, oh, wait, I need to kind of do something about that. Whereas when you are in an online space, you, you have none of that. And so that need to be more particularly deliberate about when you have caught up with people and, and, and making sure that you're really asking the questions that need to be asked. Yeah. You know, if, if I'm going to see you every day, then maybe I don't need to make sure I've had the, hey, Aiden, how are you really doing conversation? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if I'm not, then there's no real way around that. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm saying that. And, and it will be part of the fruit of, again, how you've built that relationship. So even if you start by saying, hey, look, I want to check in how you're doing because I want to tell you for me, this is what this time has been like. This is what's been great. This hasn't been great. And and going from there. So so that would be the, the principle that I would apply. From a technique point of view, um, one of the things that I've learned in particular, when you're having a, a, say, a larger group meeting, imagine you have, say, I don't know, well, anything really more than three or four people. Mm-hmm. I found that it places more of a burden on me to be a bit more directive and super clear about what I want. Okay. Like, at each discussion, because it's, you know, when you have a room full of people together, it's very easy to, you know, you spark a conversation and it bounces around and people can kind of jump in and out and you can kind of scan the room and get an eye, you know, on on where people are and read their reactions and and that kind of thing. In a Teams meeting, a Zoom meeting, something like that, I find, first of all, I have to be very clear about what what I'm asking people and then secondly, even when it comes to how I want people to respond, um, you know, for example, if I'm trying to get the opinion of 10 or 20 people, then using the chat function is a great way to start that conversation. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I can say, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to change from being, you know, in the office to working remotely for the next three weeks. What are some thoughts that come to mind for you all? Put them in the chat for me. Mm-hmm. And you'll suddenly see the chat start to fill out. And then from there, you can be directive, look at those comments and say, oh, Aiden, you made a point about this. Can you share some more about that? Mm. And then, okay, thanks, Aiden. Now I'm going to go to Andrew. What was your you know, observation there? Yeah. Because if you leave it, like leave people hanging, everyone kind of sits there waiting. Mm-hmm. And if you just say, you know, who's going to put their hand up or start talking, it gets too, too muddy. So that kind of approach where you, you leverage the different stages. We go, okay, let's start a broad conversation is in the chat, then I'll pick a person, you share your thought, and then you can always use things like breakout rooms as well if you want to have smaller conversations within that, get the groups to come back, and then again, same thing. All right, I just want to hear from those four people. If you're in that group, I want to hear from you four, go. 
or yeah. everybody back together let's see all those thoughts in the chat and you work your way through that way so again it's a much more uh planned and controlled but mm -hmm. it actually people feel a lot less stressed when you do that because they get a sense that somebody has control of where it's going absolutely i, I think that's a great technique and thinking about the the participant experience you know mm -hmm. so those, those who are uh, maybe attending more virtual um, interactions with their manager or with their teams than ever before. Mm. What are some of the things that you feel make for a really engaging and inspiring virtual learning experience? What are some of the things that you've seen, particularly over the last year, that, that you think um, you know, people could benefit from if they're thinking about doing more of that type of work? Yeah. Um, well, the great thing is actually what we've talked about today probably gives you a really good foundation to begin with, because the principle of trust and open sharing is, to me at least, that's that's the foundation of all really good conversations. And, and in fact, to build into a little bit of, you know, when we're talking about the idea of how you really help someone, one of the most powerful things that I've discovered is that if a person is safe to notice their own thinking about something, mm -hmm. that's where change can become possible. So, you know, if I'm talking about a particular new development, if you're able to go, oh, you know, when I talked about that, who felt good about that? Who felt bad about that? Who was excited? Who was nervous? Who was whatever? Say, so, okay, look, there's no there's no judgment here for that. Let's just, let's just acknowledge that that's where you're at. That means you're going to have some thinking about this. And through the course of today, I just want you to be able to notice that, right? So I say all this to say that's why that trust environment is so important. And when you're yeah. getting people together to say, okay, this is what we're going to talk about today. It's still the same principles, you know, that you can say, all right, this is what we're going to talk about. And I think of myself as a leader, how can I give trust first? How mm -hmm. can I give safety first? How can I give a sense of non-judgment first? Mm -hmm. And then I can build from there. Uh, and, you know, then you can, you know, again, you can get those ideas from people. You can go to the breakout rooms online as well if you want to do that. Um, but it all flows, I feel, at least from, from that start point. If people feel that there's the safety to do that, and then equally that you're able to at least, you know, direct direct the conversation from a wide open, everybody sharing thoughts down to a narrower, you know, conversation and move towards a goal that way, then it, it really does achieve everything that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you worked with us on um, the, the the very beginnings of the virtual learning series yeah. that, that we developed sort of through that, that lockdown yeah. period. Now, that was a real privilege to kind of have that opportunity to work with you to sort of design, you know, some of the the, the foundations and the principles around what a, a learning experience could be. Mm. How were some of those initial experiences for you as a facilitator in a virtual environment? What what did you feel you had to adapt or change mm. in terms of your your typical approach in order to make those sessions successful? Yeah, well, I, again, many of the things I'm sharing with you now are, are the fruit of of some of those moments, just realizing how when, when I want, I want interaction, like fundamentally, this is for any facilitator or, you know, trainer term you like to use. I always feel like if I've done the most talking by the end of the thing, then I've failed. Right. Like that's, that's not particularly helpful. You could just go to a lecture. You don't need me. To, to run a workshop for that kind of thing. Yeah. So how do I get that? That's my goal, you know? And if I know that that's my goal, then I'm always looking for, you know, how do I how do I get this conversation happening? And, you know, mm -hmm. again, we've all been in Zoom meetings where sometimes you go, oh, so does anybody have any thoughts? Mm. And it's just like, you're hanging there going like, oh, 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 you, sorry, 
No, no, you, uh, it's a mess. So this is this is where I started to learn. Okay, it actually really helps people if you say, all right, I want to get everyone's thoughts. How do I go from again a, a broad base down to a narrow one? I mean, you can yeah. always just pick. Um, you know, you can just just start say, let's let's start off, and um, you know, yeah, maybe Aiden, have you got some thoughts that you want to start with? And you know, just just point to a person and direct traffic that way. I don't normally have to do that if I'm meeting with people in person. It's it's a more kind of natural flow of of the conversation there. Um, but I would say too, one thing that was particularly powerful and made it actually not so bad for me really, even though it was uh, unfamiliar being that kind of neck deep in an online experience, was fortunately the proof of the pudding of what I've been saying to you so far, that I started these kind of workshops with people saying, hey guys, look, this is, a, this is an unfamiliar time. Yeah. This is, a, this is a different time and we're all figuring this out together, right? And so, you know, we know the goal is that we want to share some really good ideas mm-hmm. and we want to get some really good conversation going. Um, but let's agree we're going to be gracious with one another today because maybe technically things might not always go the way we want uh, or, you know, there might be something else that we're just going to improve as we go along. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to ask for that from you. Is that something you can do for me? And, of course, everybody goes, yes. You know, nobody goes, no, how dare you? What We've gone online. I want this to be perfect straight away. But yeah. if anything, I'd get into more trouble by pretending it's all supposed to be perfect from the very beginning. You know, if I, if I just say, look, we haven't done this before. We want the best out of this, right? So, so let's agree we're going to learn through this together. Mm. You know, people get on board with that, and and so as a result, I've always had good experiences with those environments because that's the, I guess that's the trust that I asked for in the beginning. It gives me the ability to learn and pick things up as I go along. Yeah, absolutely. And just coming back to a point you made there around inviting that interaction at the start mm. and. It is a very different environment because it's it's a lot more challenging to read the terrain. You know, you don't you don't have the benefits of being able to kind of analyze and act on body language or, or the different <laughs> energy that you might interpret physically in, in you know, a face to face facilitated environment. How, how do you ensure as a facilitator doing that work virtually that you are encouraging and inviting contributions from everyone? Because it's oh. it's a lot easier, or, or we you know we've heard some feedback from certain organisations and, and clients that we partner with that it's a lot easier for people to hide in that virtual oh, sure. environment. You know, yeah. um, I might I might um, decide that it's convenient for me to not have my camera on at that particular moment, or you know <laughs> I, I I might I might be sort of checking emails or or looking at something else um, mm. whilst I sort of position myself um, to, to to be engaged and actually um, interacting on the screen. So how how do you ensure that that experience is is kind of equal and equitable um, mm-hmm. for, for, for the participants who maybe aren't as comfortable or, or engaged in that process. Sure, sure. Well, again, let, let me go with the principle and then also with the technique. So we're covering both both bases on that as well. Uh, one of the things that I find in that environment uh, and a principle that I use for leading individuals or larger teams as well is simply one that is that all healthy relationships have this dynamic in play. It's where, where both parties can say, this is what I need from you. Mm. You know, I need this from you. And again, if Aiden, you were my, my manager, it doesn't mean that we're putting each other on exactly the same kind of level. You're still my manager. I'd still be the, you know, your team member. But you might say to me, you know, Andrew, I need this report by 4 p.m. on Friday, right? Mm. That's what you need from me. And if we have a healthy relationship, then I'd be comfortable saying back to you, no problem, Aiden. Um, I will need, I don't know, I've got this other thing competing for that time. Can that wait? Or I might need more information or, you know, or whatever. So when we move into an online environment, 
it's important to keep that in mind as well. What do I need from you in an online environment? And then I need to be able to ask for that nice yeah. and clearly. You know, literally say, okay, this is this is what I'm going to need from you for this to work. I'm going to need everybody to, you know, commit to contributing and things like that. Mm. Now, it doesn't mean you're all going to jump in immediately, but it does mean that you kind of set something of that expectation at the yeah. very, very beginning, you know, and, and you've, you, you can lay that expectation out. The second thing, and look, although it may, yeah, I, I hesitate to say that some people feel uncomfortable about this because although it might be technically true, I actually haven't run into massive issues with it. And that is simply, if you haven't heard from somebody in a while, don't be afraid to say, you know, Aiden, what are your thoughts on this? Andrew, what do, you, what, do you, what do you believe here? It might even be helpful for you, again, purely practically. If you have a list of the names of people sitting on a piece of paper in front of you, in front of your screen, everybody who's in the meeting, and every time they do something, you give them a tick. And then you can just look down and go, all right, I haven't heard from, okay, this person's talked a lot, this person's talked yeah, a lot. Yeah. Haven't heard from this guy. Okay, and then literally... Just ask them directly. And, and again, you don't have to make like a big deal about it, but just as you're going along saying you're like, okay, that was really great. Um, yeah. Andrew, what do you think? Do you agree with that? Disagree? And there, there might be that little moment where you're like, oh, somebody's noticed me. <laughs> but but it, it's okay. It's okay, you know, and you just, you begin to create that expectation that, you know, you will ask for everybody's perspective in the room and you get a better result out of it that way too. Yeah, great. And, and look, in, in the spirit of, of vulnerability and, and talking about times and experiences where, where objectives haven't been met, um, what, what are some of the things that you would say are the, are the do nots around virtual learning experiences, you know, from, from both mm. the sort of design and delivery perspective? So for organisations that are thinking about doing more of this work, what are the kind of pitfalls that you would say, you know, avoid these at all costs if you can? And what are some mm. of your own personal experiences that maybe haven't worked that well um, that have helped you to kind of refine that process more effectively? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I should say that, you know, my, you know, we talked about this a little already, but my objective before I start anything is always that the level of interaction that I get is the number one goal, right? That's yeah. the main thing that I want. And if I know that, that's going to shape what happens next. Now, I, I make that point because sometimes I've been in environments, and I know I've done this before previously, where I feel like information sharing is my main goal. Here right. is the information that you all need. Bang. And you just, you know, boom, 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 boom. You know, you create an environment, again, where there's, there's little interaction, there's no, no sharing, no perspectives. And, I mean, one of the best ways to figure out if people really understand something is to get them to teach it to somebody else. Yeah, right. So even if you have that, you say, look, I know that's been a lot of information. I want you to try and now we'll split you into pairs or something and you can summarize it to somebody else. But when it's just like a one-way, you know, one-way freight train, uh, that's that's not great. Um, and as, as we've talked about as well, going into one of those meetings without a plan for when am I going to have interaction? What's it going to look like? What's yeah. the most appropriate vehicle to use? Uh, I, I honestly, that is one of the things I spend the most time on. Um, you, you might even be able to use things like, uh, you know, like in Zoom, for example, there's an annotate function where mm -hmm. you can put up a slide and people can write stuff on it. Maybe that's the thing that you do. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we've already talked about things like the chat functions and, and people being able to talk. There's raise hand functions as well in a lot of these kind of, um, you know, online meeting apps. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that you really need to have thought of before you get in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you can ask for them. You know, look, if you thought of it, you can ask for it. But if you haven't, then you're left sitting there going, oh, well, I hope they got it. I hope they're all listening. 
yeah. and then of course you tend to find afterwards that no in fact you, you missed a lot of people in the room with that yeah great i i love those um i think they're so often overlooked yeah. um, but, but but vitally important to think about you know potential derailers um, mm. and, and a lot of it like you say comes down to preparation and just making sure that you're sort of coming back to that that north star what's my main objective for this yeah. session and yeah. if i'm serving that purpose then nine times out of ten it's going to be a successful engagement it's going to be mm. interesting it's going to be interactive it's going to be positive i, I think mm. that's Right. Um, what, what's often struck me about about you, Andrew, and, and you know, please take this in in the right way. Is, <laughs> and, and, and I think it I think it comes probably from from your experience um, within broadcasting. Is you have a really um, a wonderful sort of energy around the way that you communicate and and you articulate. And I, I've been you know fortunate enough to see that in in face to face environments. But equally, mm. when you've done work with us. Um, through virtual platforms and, and online engagements, you, you've you've always found a way to sort of transition that energy and that enthusiasm through. And I'm just thinking, you know, are there any tips or techniques that you would um, you would provide for people who perhaps don't have the experience of working in, in those environments um, mm. as frequently around, you know, tonality, language, um, the sort of vocal techniques perhaps that they sure. can use to really kind of energize those those virtual sessions yeah yeah absolutely well thank you um i appreciate that i think um there's there's one piece of advice that is on the one hand sounds like the least helpful thing in the world but i promise you there's really no no getting around it and that is simply that you know you only learn by doing mm. um, and even when we're talking about you know this building trust environments and, and learning how to fail and things like that you know, I think that's super important even for us as leaders when we realize, okay, I've got to work on, you know, how I present this stuff. So mm -hmm. again, if I'm talking about techniques and, and, and things like that, uh, then, or principles rather, I would say that just acknowledging, look, I have done hours and 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 hours. Have I got that point across? I've done hours. Um, and so that's why I can do what I do. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, there's actually no secret kind of, recipe to it how did i amazingly wonder well because i did it a lot yeah. um, is, is the air quotes kind of secret right um so i think you know giving yourself a bit of grace for that as well is really really important um and again you can ask for that that's why i said you know when we talk about you know the first time we started doing online things you can ask people to be gracious with you you can say mm -hmm. hey guys i want to make this really helpful um I'm, a, I'm feeling a bit nervous about it so so bear with me here and you know and at least that way, you're going to put yourself in a better space mentally and emotionally. That's going to help you a lot. Yeah. Um, so that would be part one. And part two would be, I think one of the things that, that makes this easy for me to present in this kind of way is that I just genuinely really like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I just genuinely do. Like, your, your energy will follow, you know, where your heart is. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you can't, you, you can't fake that on the long term. Uh, it's like, you know, you're probably aware of this anyway, that there's studies into, you know, how do you tell the difference between a fake smile and a real smile? Okay. Uh, and, you know, people know that, you know, the corners of your eyes kind of uh, tighten up and things like that. that that's, that's a real smile. Mm. And it just is what it is. And you can't fake that. People can tell. They can see it in your face. So if you've got to talk about something, you've got to find the thing for you that makes it, makes it real. Like, why is this helpful for people? Why is this good for people to know? Why are you having this? Is it going to make their lives better? Is it going to make their work 
better? Is it going to build a stronger team? Like, what's the thing about it that you can get excited about? And if you start from that place, you'll tell a good story. Yep. But if it's some kind of, and, and the, this could be true for really operational stuff, like, um, I don't know, maybe it's like your fire evacuation procedures, right? Like some really dry kind of thing like that, right? But, you know, if, if you really care about your people, you know, so why do they need to know this? Like, really? So, look, okay, first of all, let's agree that this is a, this is a bit of a dry topic, guys, but it's really important. I would, I would never want anything to happen to any of you. So we're going to talk about it, okay? And as we go through, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions just to make sure this is landing. Um, so, you know, thanks for bearing with me. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And you just start like that, right? And you just, your energy will be different, and you've just kind of started on the note of something, but you've got to find the thing for you that makes it emotionally compelling. If you've got that, everything else will follow. And if not, you can still do it, but you'll probably be quite tired by the end of, of yeah. what you're doing. It's so true. Um, and just a, just a quick disclaimer for any fire engineers or health and safety <laughs> advisors who, who, who are listening to this. Uh, it's only Andrew and I who believe that, that your content is dry. Um, we, we, we wholeheartedly support and encourage your optimism and, and, and your enthusiasm for it. Um, no, look, that, that's brilliant. And, and, you know, I think it's really clear in the way that you work that that, that really does does come through in, in your style of facilitation and, and the way that you, um, you know, the way that you engage with people, both both in a physical environment and virtually. So I think that's testament to you. Um, but just conscious of time, Andrew, and um, this is the last question I'm going to ask. And it's a it's a tricky one. Um, but, but one of the things that um, I'm I'm hearing as a theme for for some of our clients in New Zealand around the the biggest challenge that they're currently faced with from a learning and development perspective and it's probably more of a cultural challenge actually is is how they establish an effective rhythm for the new way of working which Mm. um, comprises people who are working remotely people who are working from home people who are working in a hybrid way you know essentially having to balance now um a variety of different cultures within the same organization and you know what we're hearing is that leaders are struggling with that organizations are struggling to kind of uh, re-establish their culture post-covid mm. what do you feel is the way or the best way for some of those organizations to find that balance um, mm. Mm. and i know that that's not an easy question um, i think if, yeah. if there was an easy answer to that um, people have solved it already but but what are some of the things that you feel can help organizations and leaders within those organizations to manage um, this incredible kind of transformation and, and change mm. that we're currently experiencing? Yeah, um, that, that is a really good question. I want to give you a, a genuine answer to that, not just some kind of pat thing off the top of my head. Um, I, I genuinely feel that, well, no, that's actually, that's, that's diminishing it too much. Trust is the absolute foundation of any successful organization. And so when you're in a situation like that, I mean, one of the best books on this is, um, you know, Patrick Lencioni's um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, where I've used that uh, example many, 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 many times, because what is identified in that book is that we often think of communication as the most important thing, right? And we hear hear this in relationships and things as well. Oh, you've got to have great communication. It's the most important thing, most important thing. Um, And so when we're in these kind of environments where things have changed, I know that often on an organizational level, we spend a lot of time fixating on what our communications should be. What should our comms look like? What should we say? And how often should we say it? And who do we say it to? And who's invited in the thing? And all this kind of stuff, right? Um, And what I've realized is that, well, let me put it another way. 
Have you ever had a conversation with somebody that you don't trust? Yeah. <laughs> How did that go? Um, not great. Not great. <laughs> right? And and see, this is the thing that I've learned, that when we just focus on the comm side of things, it becomes just about the words. And it's, yeah. it's paralyzing, right? Like, what, what should I say? And if I say this, then they say that. Then should I say this? And then, you know, you prepare, over-prepare for a conversation, and you go in anxious, and then... Within 30 seconds, it's gone a direction you didn't plan for, and then you're flustered, and then what do you do? And I mean, you can hear it in my voice right now, right? We've, yeah, we've all yeah. been there. Whereas if you have somebody that you really trust, what you find is that you can kind of say anything to that person, and it'll be okay. You can be mm-hmm. like, hey, look, I need to talk to you about something. I'm not sure how to say this. So, like, I'll, can I just tell you what's on my mind? And you can, yeah. you know, and you know they're going to believe the best of you. They know, you, you know, you know that, if what I say could be interpreted two ways, and one of those is malicious, and the other one is perhaps, uh, you know, well, well intentioned but but missing the mark, they're yeah. going to take that that second option, right? So the thing that I would always fixate on first is how am I looking to build trust within my team? Mm-hmm. Uh, it really does come back to that for me. That's why it, it is so important. If I have trust, I have everything. Mm-hmm. If I have trust, I can communicate and maybe miscommunicate. Yeah, um, I can use the wrong words. I can say it the wrong way. I can all those sorts of things. But if I don't have trust, then I'm stuffed. Yeah. And so the whole way through, I'm thinking, okay, I need, I need to have trust with my team. And then for me, I need to think about, okay, I have to show trust first. If I'm the leader, I have to show trust first. What, what's the appropriate way of doing that? And, you know, that's, that's part of the leader's burden to figure out what's appropriate per person, what's an appropriate measure of trust. Um, again, a, an exaggerated example would be, the level of trust I show a five-year-old would be different to the level of trust I show a 25-year-old, yeah. right? And that's that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, you don't have to say I treat everybody equally because you can't always do that. Mm-hmm. But I have to look for ways to show that I trust you because mm-hmm. otherwise, and this is, I think, the thing we have to be really careful of, otherwise I'm sending you a message, whether you know it or not, I'm sending you a message that says I don't trust you and I don't think you can do this. Yeah. Those, those are really your only two options. You're either sending a message that says, I trust you and you can you can do this or I don't trust you and you can't do this. Yeah. And those messages add up over time. So I would focus on that. What have I done to show people that I trust them individually and as a team? Yeah. Uh, and then you can build from that point up. Love it. Um, some really, really great reflections there, Andrew. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. Um, I know that our listeners are going to get huge value from, from some of the insights and experiences that you've shared. And um, I look forward to continuing our work together in the coming months. I know there's, there's a lot more virtual work on the horizon. So interested in continuing that journey with you. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Adam. My pleasure. And thank you, everyone, again for listening. You've been listening to the Inspire Group podcast. We'll be back with another episode shortly for you to enjoy. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well. Bye for now.